0: Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor at the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Michael Taylor, owner of ShiftingShares.com and full-time trader. How are you doing, Michael?
1: I'm very good, thanks, John. How are you? Not too bad. It's good to see you again. It's, it is, uh, it's yeah. Been a, it's it been is. a
0: few weeks. Always a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So, since you were last on this uh, this podcast, yeah. uh, you've written quite a few articles for us. And perhaps we can talk through some of those today. There's, there's one in this week's issue uh, on the subject of market makers. Everyone's yeah. everyone's uh, pet hate. Everyone's favourite friend, Absolutely, Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can't live with market makers and you can't live without them. Yeah, exactly. They're so, necessarily uh, evil, unfortunately. So, so we'll talk about that. And then we've got, we got an interesting little email from a reader this week about a particular chart, a company called Sylvania Platinum, which you took a look at. So so maybe we can talk through that because it actually ties in nicely with, yeah. with the feature you've written. Tell us what you've been doing. It's been some uh, interesting times um, on the markets. Maybe we start there.
1: It has. What have yeah. you been up to? Well, I'm, I'm trying hard not to lose money. sit <laughs> on my hands. As I said a couple of months ago, I think a lot of the good sh- uh, trades are on the short side. Unfortunately, with a lot of the smaller stuff, you can't get the borrow. Um, so it has been difficult. It's a hard market. As I said before, companies aren't getting funding. So anyone who's positive in this market, I think is doing very well. I'm not having a brilliant year, but it's not the year to make money. Uh, if you look at 2016, 2017, small caps were on an absolute tear. Did very well. Uh, not the same at the moment, John.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit tough out there. You mentioned raising money, and I know you said uh, to me before we came in here that you've been looking at a company that has struggled to raise money as, uh, as something mm-hmm. you've been trading, Serious Minerals.
1: Serious Minerals, yeah, I'm short on this. Um, I can't see how it's going to end unless it's significant dilution for holders. it Really doesn't look good to me. Um, I should have been short when they failed to get the bonds away, uh, but I am short now from 4P and I'm going to increase it.
0: I mean, so this is, I mean, it's an interesting company and it's one that we've wrestled with over the years. Um, obviously, you're looking at it from a trading perspective, but knowing how you work, you've looked at some of the story behind
1: it as well. I mean, it was, it was one of those stories that it could have gone either way. It could have, it could have, John. Yeah. And two years ago, if they'd have got the bonds away, it would have been great, but. They didn't. Mm. And they're in this position now. Uh, The CEO comes along with his one million wage check and says bulletin boards should be banned because the people on there are um, sweatpants wearing punters, Uh, which isn't great considering 85,000 of his shareholder base are retail investors.
0: I mean I was going to say you know this the serious story is, I mean it, it, you know it was a potentially very exciting resource play uh looking for uh what is it polyhalite they call it so I have no uh, idea it's a fertilizer it's a fertilizer <laughs> a potash a potash derivative but it but there were always complications with this project because it was in uh, essentially a national park and there were lots of mm. planning planning problems so 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 whilst there was something there it was always going to be a difficult job getting this stuff out of the ground.
1: And I guess that's the the kind of binary
0: situation you're
1: playing here. I, th- I think so, yeah. The I mean, who's going to give them money? Because they know that they're struggling and you can just wait till, you know, they need cash and then you just make them scream. Uh, I do think the project will carry on. And obviously I'm from side, so I hope that it does because a lot of people are going to lose the jobs and a lot of local investors are going to lose everything, which, which isn't nice. Um, But I think the project may carry on, but the equity ownership of that project will be different. Um, I can't see how it's going to happen. They need a lot of money, a lot of cash. It's going to be significant dilution. And I could be wrong. I definitely could be wrong. Um, But I'm, I'm a trader, so I play the probabilities. What do I think is likely? And then I adjust my position size. I increase it if I'm winning. And I just play these probabilities over and over again. I mean, to me, it's just a ticker. I'm not. I don't really care about the story. Mm. I just want to make money. <clears throat> the, the, the story is what the
0: you know the, the kind of speculative investors in in a project yeah. like this would be interested in. Though I mean, you know, you, you mentioned the chief executive and his disparaging remarks about mm. bulletin boards and how much retail support this company really has had. I mean, it's it's been a favourite
1: it, of it's, retail it's been, investors, and yeah.
0: that, and you know, arguably they have they have they have believed in this company for a very very long time and still do.
1: They've they've backed it really well, and you,
0: yeah. you, I mean, you mentioned you know, finding it hard to get to get borrow on on certain companies,
1: but not not this one because there are many serious, people still no, believe in it because there's there's plenty of people holding, so there's plenty of people to net off against and take the other side of the trade. So yeah, I think you you'll be able to get borrow for a long time on this one purely because so many retail are holding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, mm-hmm.
0: when we were speaking earlier, you know, basically averaging down like as as the project gets as the as the problem yeah exactly sphere, then, you know yeah. people think well you know it's cheaper now than it was i'll buy a little
1: bit more yeah and then you know it's a it, it's a bias really classic yeah, error isn't classic it classic really. error what, yeah. what else you've been looking at um not much to be honest um as i say i'm my biggest position's cash um i've been looking at a few companies doing a bit research but i haven't found anything i want to invest in um so i'm i'm happy just to to weather the storm mm. and see what comes. So, Sylvania, should we turn to Sylvania? Because, Sylvania uh, Platinum now, Because you are looking at me. this, I am looking at this one. So, so we got as a, a
0: trade. We got, we got a, a letter from a reader, basically asking us about the chart pattern and, mm. uh, and what it means. And, and you very kindly uh, offered some explanation uh, mm. around your reading of it. Talk
1: us through basically what he asked you and and, and, and what you think here. Um, the reader had identified a head and shoulders pattern, which you can see in the chart. But to me, I look at volume and I look at candlesticks, and that tells me basically the supply and demand of the stock. Uh, all of the moving averages are going up. The stock is trending upwards, and it's the 150 exponential moving average. The price has hit that twice, bounced off it. So I would look. Bounced off it going back up. Bounced off it and gone back up. Yeah. Support. Um so if the stock would come back there, um, if that was in my strategy, I would think that is a low risk reward uh trade. So you're like, on board. But yeah. I buy breakouts at the moment, I buy strength. We'll come on and to I that, short man. breakdowns.
0: So, so basically I mean the reader the reader kinda of,
1: he his view is that this is a bullish scenario. I, I think I think it's agree. a bullish scenario. Yeah. I mean I did actually hold Sylvania at seven P and sold at ten P and thought I was a really that was a really great trade, but you know, it's now forty P. And you winners, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, as a trader <laughs> you uh it's hard. But that is one thing I do need to get better at running winners. Um Well you talked about trading systems
0: in one of your pieces for us recently. I did. Would 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 this kind of would this kind of thing fall into it, you know? A, a you know a system. Targeting, targeting yeah. a certain level of profit rather than sort of yeah. adapting
1: as you go along. I mean well, I mean the problem for me is I've always relied on the stock market for income. And so the temptation to bank things rather than run them has always been there. Yeah. Um but definitely The money is made in the stock market by being long, very good stocks. Things like ABDP, I had that at two quid, it's now 26, a lot of money. What's that? Uh, Alex Best, Dynamics. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I think in tickers, sorry. But Jesse Livermore, in reminiscences of a stock operator, he actually says the money was made in his sitting, and if you can be right and you can be patient, you will make a lot of money because if you're trading for a couple of points in a bull market, that's great. You can make money, but the real money is made by following a trend all the way up as the story develops, and and being right and and making a lot of money when you are right. But those stories often do come to an end, though. The, the they do, play, and you've got to get out. And... Yeah, but I mean, this is why you look at the chart and the price action, and and when we talked about Burford before, I said that that story was coming to an end because we had a lot of heavy volume on down days, which was institutions selling, and as we found out afterwards, it was muddy waters shorting the stock. Uh, So the signs are there. Yes, absolutely, stories come to an end, but if you follow the chart, you get little clues, and really you should be de-risking on the way up, because profit's not profit until you've banked it. Well,
0: that's but you're in banking some profit exactly. uh, and and continuing the trade. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of a key a key strategy that Simon Thompson actually recommends to readers that Oh, definitely. That, that as you as you make significant gains just just take some money off it yeah. and, and get a free ride on what's left.
1: Yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, it's in the art of execution. The connoisseur takes a little bit off the table as it goes up um because there's nothing worse than having a really big profit that you've not Benefited from because you haven't taken some off the table, and then something go, disastrous goes wrong, like a huge profit warning or worse, a fraud. Um, it's not profit until it's banked.
0: Especially important at the smaller end of the market, where exactly where you know you, you can get some big gains very quickly. On you can on, on big and you can get reasons. some big losses, and big as losses, as I losses I will almost as quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we talk about some of your features recently? You yeah. mentioned the breakout. Uh, you wrote a piece for us about trading this thing, the breakout.
1: Tell us what that is. You basically buy a stock when it breaks out of a previous high. So you're looking at a range there that is yeah. stuck. in. You look at a trading range, and you want to see the stock come out of that range, preferably on good volume, because that means people are buying it. And you basically run it up. And this strategy works, because if you think about it, for a stock to get to a new high, it's got to have broken out of a previous range. What, what, what? helps shares break out of these ranges what are the signs that 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 might be about to happen i mean you can look at fundamental signs or if you're a pure technical guy you just look at the price action um but ideally stocks with a catalyst good stocks that are growing their earnings sustainably they're backed by management not all of the the classic the darlings the fever tree uh burford stocks like that they all have to break out to a new high in order to to make a new time high.
0: Is it like a momentum? Yeah, it's it's a
1: momentum trade. Yeah, exactly. So some things that I like to do is I'll get longer stock and I'll average up. I very rarely average down because, well, it can be a good strategy. People do it. I don't do it. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. But to me, it's more risky than than averaging up. If you average up, you're using those paper profits to create larger risk uh, to the upside on the share you're increasing your exposure through the the profits already on the trade
0: yeah uh, funny enough actually uh, uh, I mean momentum has been something that's been discussed a lot this year because yeah. obviously markets have been driven mm-hmm. particularly in the us up and up and up and, and momentum seems to have played a big a big part of, of that um but there were there have been questions over what happens when it comes to an end and it, and it's what it always algie comes Hall, to an end it does it does and it's what algie Hall looks at in his stock screen this week but but you know as some companies lose their momentum others others step others in to replace up the
1: trend. Exactly.
0: Um, and what is looking at is, is actually companies that you would not expect to, to be momentum shares that are now sort of stepping in to do that. So it's been growth shares driving the momentum. is now looking at its value. It's what you would mm-hmm. call value shares that are doing it. So momentum takes on a new dimension.
1: Maybe. I mean, if value shares break out, I'll buy them. Um no, if it's junk, if it's even a fraud, then I'll buy it if I think it's going to make me money. I mean, um, and that one mistake, one mistake that I've made is I've looked at a company that's breaking out. I've looked at the balance sheet. I've recoiled in horror, and then that stock's gone on to do fantastically well, and I've missed out. And that's a mistake on my part because I've placed too much emphasis on the fundamentals of the stock when really I'm getting paid by price action so I should be focusing on the price action. Um, But you live and learn. Nobody's perfect.
0: Are you buying in anticipation of the breakout or when it's actually
1: happened? I buy on the breakout when there's good volume. Um, One recent stock that I missed was Blackbird. Uh, Now, that had gapped up several times and been sold off, Um, so I didn't buy it this time, only it went from about 8p to 18p or something. So it, it did really well. And I wasn't on board because I let my previous bias uh, not let me buy. Those old biases again. Exactly. You do yeah. it about them. <laughs>
0: um, She's talking about market makers, which is the subject. Let's talk of your about market of your makers this week. I mean, it, it, it has some relevance in, uh, in terms of the response you, you gave to our reader about um, uh, Sylvania, because market makers obviously affect the price of stuff a great deal. Yep. And, you know, some of these breakouts that you talk about, it's market makers that essentially mm. make those happen. They do. Why do we hate market makers so much?
1: Because of screw you up. <laughs> <laughs> the short answer. <laughs> well, do. What do we do without them? Well, I mean, you know, make they, a living. they could do their job and actually make a market, but instead they make a market for themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, so it's, well, you know, everyone's going to earn a crust. They do. Um, but, I mean, a lot of readers will know this when, for example, if there's been a profit warning and they think the stock is now a good buy, they try and buy online and it, it might be 30p. On the offer, and they can only buy at 33p or something silly. 33p being the, the price they're being the quoted price quoted online market. on their broker. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I that's quite odd. But you you mentioned in your piece that there's a way around this. There is. I, I found a way it way around it. It's
1: a bit old school. There is. Yeah. You so you can take a spread bet, um, which will use the price quoted online, or you can just get on the phone to a broker where where the market makers are obliged to deal at that price quoted online and then it'll fill you. It seems like a very strange thing that, that you've got an obligation on through one channel and not the other. It seems weird, and I questioned the London Stock Exchange on this uh, about a certain rule in the handbook, and they told me it was nothing to do with them, and I, I told them, well, it's your handbook. Um, surely it is, but they were adamant that it wasn't, so I've, I've never got an answer for that about why on one channel and why it's not on the other, but that's the way it is. Doesn't matter,
0: just get on the blower.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just the cost more.
0: It's, it's an interesting, yeah,
1: it, it, absolutely. Yeah. It's an
0: interesting trick. Uh, and I guess this whole this whole piece is, is kind of the tricks of kind of working out what's happening in terms of the pricing of the stock. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what's happening at the market maker, who is setting their pricing. I mean, mm. exp- explain what they do and, um, and ha- well, how share prices are, in fact,
1: set. Well, one of the things to do is like to widen the spread and drop the bid and try and shake a few people out. So they might run a stock down 10%, uh, pick up some shares, and run it back up and sell them, and they make a quick turn. Because remember, they're making a turn on each trade that they do. And a lot of people say that the market makers take positions and trade. Well, maybe they do, but they don't really need to do that. But all they're, all they're really doing is, is as the name suggests, making a market. So, Well, yeah. So so, so, essentially... They don't really risk- need to take that risk of trading. No. Some, some of them might do. But, but that's not really what they're there for. There. No, they're there to make a turn on the spread. Um, but they're there really to help investors. I mean, in the in the, the, the most
0: basic help level. investors. Hel- yeah, help investors.
1: <laughs> I'm sure readers will love that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, but, but without them, you couldn't buy a lot of shares.
1: True. Yeah, they take the risk in exchange for providing us the liquidity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, I... they hold all the cards, and we we have to pay the prices that they set unfortunately so they hold all
0: the cards but what can we do to make life a little bit better for ourselves when it comes to dealing with market makers all the you know it's not that many stocks that are only um, traded through market makers I mean, it's sets qx
1: it's quite a few so obviously all the smaller all stocks the smaller stuff, will yeah. mainly be sets qx not if you're trading FTSE 100 or no, no. top level of no FTSE. you can just go direct onto the order book there which is is nice but there's not really much volatility there unless you leave yourself up um, but with with stocks that are quoted on market makers, um, you can use tricks like spread bet. I'd be careful about that because obviously it's a leveraged product. Um, you can get on the phone to a broker. Um, you can watch level two and see how they're moving up and down. Um, you can also check the RSP. Um, so RSP being the the retail service, service provider. provider. Yeah, there's a obviously there's the network in there. Um, you can request request a quote directly from them and see exactly what is available in the market. Now, this will often be very different to what is quoted on level two. And the reason for that is that they can get away with it because what they quote on level two, most traders and investors are dealing online where they're not obliged to uphold those prices. They can charge whatever they want. Mm. So that's why they do it. Um, but yeah, it can be helpful, and we can use dummy quotes as well. So we can request and see how much is available at, at a certain price, what they will offer. Generally, if if you are getting bid uh, for a lot of stock, uh, so the market makers will buy a lot of stock from you. Uh, they're keen to have it, and if you can't buy a lot, then usually it means that is going to be a short-term price appreciation in the stock. And uh, one thing I like to do on on profit warnings and surprise. R&S is to the downside is watch the price come down, wait until you cannot buy any stock at all in the ask, and the market makers are really bidding for stock. Then that's the point to open a spread bet or get on the phone and and take a scalp trade on that. Uh, and it, it is it is possible scalp again. trade uh, in and out very quickly, couple of minutes. All right,
0: yeah, not our usual fare on the Investors Chronicle. No, as to be said, but uh... but it is possible. <laughs> I mean, you, you actually give a nice little works example here. Uh, a company called Anglo African Oil and Gas. Yes, where where the, the the what market makers are doing is actually influence how you've you've kind of read the situation and, and subsequently traded that that share.
1: Yeah. So obviously, the market makers set the prices and they react to the RNSs. So they've got to manage that opening risk. Uh, in this instance, I thought they'd opened it far too down, based on. I think the delay was a couple of weeks, so it wasn't. I think they opened it on a, 20, on a, a couple of on weeks the, on, uh, delay, on, a, on a
0: project. On couple a couple
1: of weeks delay on the drill, sorry. Yeah, and they'd open it really down, and I knew that a lot of people were in this share and were probably going to average down, and that if the delay was only a few weeks, people would take advantage of that dip to then sell. Um, so I made a bet that the market makers had up, opened it up too far down.
0: So, so they've got to interpret. The news that's come through. Exactly. When the market opens, they've got to set the price that they're trading at.
1: And I thought they'd set it wrong, so I took a spread bet long and started closing it down as the price moved up. Now that could have gone the wrong way, in which case I would have had to sell into a weak market. So it is risky, but there are moments where if you know the stock and you know the sentiment around it, you can make a bet based on the market makers being well, wrong. That's, that sounds like you, I mean,
0: t- to be able to uh, decide whether you think the market makers are wrong or not, you've got to, as you say, you've got to know the company a bit. So, so this sounds like one of those situations exactly. where sort of fundamental knowledge of a company and, can and the help. trading situation kind of coincide and, and work well together.
1: It can help. I mean, if you think about it, market makers have got to cover a lot of stocks. That's a lot of stories that they've got to keep on top of. Sometimes they're going to get it wrong. Um, sometimes they get it right. Um, but... Yeah, there there is money to be made. Sometimes in that. you
0: can beat the market maker.
1: Sometimes you can beat the market that's, maker. That's great yeah. to hear.
0: Exactly. I I think it it kind of uh, there's a really nice chart that you've put together at the top of this page here about price spikes. So this yeah. this is this is a price crunch, as it were, the mm. one we're talking about here at Anglo African Oil and Gas, which you've been able to trade successfully. But but obviously, what what a lot of investors hoping for are price spikes. But there's there's kind of I I find it really interesting how how this actually happens how. How the price of a, of a uh, you know, generally quite illiquid share, in, mm. it, it, sort of the smaller end of the market, can jump quite sharply because this this does happen again. It, do, it does happen. Yeah, it's it's great when you long and this happens. How, how does it work? Explain how, how that that process
1: happens where you suddenly yeah. get a small share well, shooting the mooner. If if you if you imagine you've got a stock with a really wide spread, um, that's because the market makers don't really want to deal in that stock unless they're getting a reward. So the spread being the spread being the price of price at which you can exactly. shares. I mean if, if there's no trades, they don't really want to deal in that stock. But what can happen is that there might be a surprise R and S that comes out where they might have not really read it and the market really loves the the R and S and they can buy and the market makers will be forced to deal several times stock that they don't really have. So now if the market makers are short, they've got to cover that position like, like everyone else who shorts in the market. So what they need to do is raise the price and to entice tempt, to tempt sellers. Sell exactly, yeah. John. And unfortunately for them, a lot of the time, punters jump on board spikes. Um, they see a stock rising up. They get fear of missing out. They jump on board the trend and the stock goes higher. It can overshoot massively. Uh, And eventually, when that buying appetite starts to die down, the market market makers can open the spread, widen it, drop the bid, um, and try and shake it back down. And it's a really effective tactic. So they can actually cover the short when that buying appetite has died down. The tree shake. The tree shake. Yeah, yeah. you
0: started telling us about that. I I, th- I think we've now got to the point where let's talk through the t- tree shake once more. Yeah. It's quite, it's, you've got a nice, lovely little diagram here of
1: how this works. As well. I have, yeah. <laughs> so so the tree shake will be um, when a market maker wants to get some stock. So it might be, as I said, they'll, they'll just run it down, take some stops out, because as I mentioned before in the article of stop losses, even if they can or can't see them, they're going to know where those stops roughly are based on a chart, like every trader does. Uh, So they'll hammer some stops, get the stock, run it back up. So they're stopping people out? Yeah, yeah, of course yeah. I mean, (laughs) wouldn't you do that if you were a market maker? I would. No wonder you love it so much. Yeah, well, it's funny because once I had a spread bet and I had a stop in, now the price somehow went all the way down to my stop, stopped me out, and then rose back up, like it sort of gapped down, took my stop out, and gap back up. Again. But they can't—they
0: I mean, can't see where your stops are, though. Well, a they lot can't. of people
1: have denied it. But yeah, yeah, so it, was, it, it was odd. And I don't use uh, physical stops; I was mental stops. Yeah, because because it's you can, just better. You can just get booted out. Exactly. Um,
0: my, my colleague was actually saying because I mean people would tend, tend to have a tendency to set those stops at you know kind of like you know, major bands, 10%, 20% or whatever it might be. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, so I set them at 22.5% and still got Mm. stops at.
1: Well, yeah, (laughs) I mean, uh, what you'll see is a lot around the support area. You've got the people who place the stops bang on support, uh, which is silly because you're basically asking to get stopped out. You'd have people place it slightly underneath and then slightly underneath and then the price goes where liquidity is. So it'll stop a load of people out and then it'll jump back up. So this is why, if you look at resistance or support levels, you'll see the price go through them and come right back down because um, it stops getting triggered. Mm. It. They're not daft, these market makers. They're not daft, no. Um, it, it must be fun being one. Yeah, Yeah. yeah absolutely. Because they look on the bulletin boards and uh, you know, you've know you got punters saying, oh, the market makers are screwing us um, because the share price has gone down for years. But really, the stock has gone down because... It's a terrible stock. Well, we always get
0: um, We always get complaints about, particularly around Simon Thompson's, yeah, because it, obviously he covers smaller companies, um, yeah, which are very much in the sweet spot of mm. market makers, and you know he'll publish a report and very, very exactly. shortly afterwards the prices has uh, yeah. gone through the roof. Well, they, and... they'll
1: they'll follow. I bet they signed up to IC looking at Simon Thompson's column. I bet they are. They are.
0: But well, you know <laughs> what? We, what we suggest to people is well, just you know, stay out for a little bit. Then you know,
1: yeah. I mean, a lot of these things. They come right back, and then you eventually get to buy. But they know that people are going to jump on board, so what do they do? They gap it up or raise it, Um, straight away they're in the money. So, so a little bit of patience, maybe, if you're uh, playing these sort of companies. Um, I mean, there's never any guarantee it's going to come back. No, that's true. But yes, generally, if if you're going to play this game of, of getting on board early, you've, you've got to take that risk sometimes. But you don't have to buy everything. You don't? No, absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to buy everything. So, so um, miss,
0: one, miss one, surely something else will yeah, come along at some point. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and uh, you know it's really helpful that you're putting this all together. In oh, thank in, you very much. Of, well, it's turning into a little series. And this is it has happened yeah. rather <laughs> by accident, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, but it's very useful because I, I mean I, I honestly think that whilst you know you're a trader and a lot of this is is mm. is designed to help help traders who are potentially
1: in and out very quickly. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's a lot of lessons that longer term holders can can learn from this. As well, you always want to I get do? Get think so? Price. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but I mean placing stops. Just don't place them in the obvious points, or don't place them too close. Uh, we talked about adjusting for position size to, you know, so you can take that risk of putting your stop a bit further out, um, because you know the market maker is going to hammer them, yeah, uh, or someone with a big enough portfolio will will hammer it down, um, algos, things like that. They'll stop you out. I mean, li- liquidity, you know, it seems to be an important
0: part of everything we've been discussing here. Yeah, uh, yeah, and often, you know. It's often, you know, if you're a, a longer term holder, buying illiquid stuff is
1: potentially, it's risky. potentially
0: difficult, potentially risky. Mm-hmm. But it seems that, like, you can actually make a sort of virtue of that illiquidity sometimes here.
1: You, you can, because the especially in the AIM and the smaller caps, the institutions don't really take part. So the prices that we see are set by retail investors, and retail investors sometimes have it wrong. Um, so there's, there's some people very successful in this business who find a business that is significantly undervalued uh it's unloved by the market and they'll just quietly buy and buy and buy and you know a year or two they make a load of money i mean it's, it is possible there's like a bit of value investing going on there. That uh, it can be. Yeah, but if you if you can find a stock, a growth stock that the market hasn't fully appreciated or may have fallen um, a little bit out of love with because it's exactly. uh, had a few disappointments along yeah. the way. Yeah, they're, they're, there's yours, money to be made, minerals as well maybe, comes. who knows. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> not convinced, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I could be wrong, definitely. Um we'll we'll see how that story plays out.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly I did really do think it's a fascinating. Well, I think
1: I think there's lots of lessons in Sirius for uh,
0: for, for for investors in resources shares mm-hmm. generally and I I actually I think a lot of what we're talking about in terms of, of of the kind of mechanics of this market that you've covered in your articles, I I think more than anything
1: the resources mm-hmm. space is where it's uh it's most applicable. It, it the resources space is tough at the moment. Yeah, definitely because yeah, when capital markets are drying up and projects aren't getting funded, things like so. And oil is, a, oil is a dirty word. It is, at the moment, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, some commodity prices are not
0: exactly firing at the moment. Uh, um, worries about global growth, I mean, it's, yeah, t- tough old space. I mean, have you recently, I mean, we talked about Sylvania Platinum, but mm-hmm. um, is there anything else resources-wise that you've looked at recently?
1: Um, I don't follow resources much i mainly follow stocks um so i keep an eye on the price of oil and and platinum and things like that gold as well which we mentioned before uh gold miners have been on a run and if gold keeps going up i mean uh, why not we can trade them for breakouts when they break out um but you don't care about the underlying not not really no <laughs> no <laughs> uh,
0: it's a refreshing
1: change to talk about
0: businesses in this way or shares in this way yeah
1: i mean not, not it, businesses at all but, I mean, as, as soon as you start ascribing emotion to them, they've got power over you. But if you just see them as instruments for volatility to go up and down like a video game, and you're not attached to them, you you're not falling in love with the story. You know, all they are is just ticker codes to to make money with, like trading chips. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to write for us? Uh, what are you going to for us next? Uh, I'm going to write you a piece on level two. Okay. Next. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that level 2 is is magic but it's it's not really that useful i mean for investors who are you know got a full time job so they don't really need level 2 So level 2 is giving you live prices uh, it gives you live prices yeah but if if you're sort of not trading you don't really need level 2 um and with as i said earlier with market maker stocks uh, sets quotes and crosses Level 2 will give you the idea of what's there online, but what's behind on the RSP is often very different. But as I said, with spread bet, you can sometimes take advantage of that. So, for example, if there's three market makers on the bid and only one on the ask, you can sometimes trade off the last market maker by going long on a spread bet, especially if you can't buy in the equity market uh, because the price to buy is much higher. You can actually get that price the online price with a spread bet or you call a broker. Goes back um, to so that is, your level two is, is useful for that and it, it's especially useful on things like profit warnings and surprise rnss and um, and also for putting your trades onto the order book. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you A week, few weeks time. A few it. weeks <laughs> time.
0: Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> thank you, Michael. Um, no, it's really useful. I'd say it's nice to get a very different perspective about about how, how markets work right, over and above the sort of more fundamental approach that, uh, that Phil and I usually take so uh thank you good to have you uh good to have you in the studio again yeah thanks a lot excellent we can move down to london you say as well so we can get even more in the future i am (laughs) excellent excellent let me just talk you all through what we've got uh in the uh, in the rest of the magazine uh lots in the personal finance and fund section which they will talk about uh, on their podcast tomorrow including uh how you currency proof your portfolio which is Pretty, uh, pretty important at the moment, given all the sort of uh, volatility out there in the world of currency, which I assume you don't play much. I don't play that. It's too hard for me. Very wisely. <laughs> in the company section, as I mentioned already, Algie's looking at momentum. The sector focus is looking at uh, auto retail uh, and, and how it's uh, potentially being uh, disrupted by the internet. You know, you know you can now walk into Westfield, Stratford and buy a car. Just, oh, wow. I know, <laughs> it's mad. It's absolutely mad. Disintermediation. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's happened everywhere else, so will it happen in car retail? The usual tips, a few results this week, including one of our favourites, W.H. Smith, which uh, Phil and I spoke about at length last week. Michael's obviously written the second feature. All the usual comments, including uh, lots and lots and lots from Simon Thompson, fair old bit of news, and the cover feature, Brexit Trick or Treat. So we were supposed to leave the European Union on Halloween. Yeah, which was behind this 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 cover. Do you like it? Uh, uh,
1: well, I've actually
0: muted Brexit on yeah, my Twitter. So, so, so you're not uh, gonna, you're not going to pick up this one then. Um, I'm not. Really going <laughs> to I don't like Brexit. I'm sick of it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but you can't ignore it as investors. It is going to have an. Oh, investment. I ignore it. Uh, yeah, you're a trader. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, but at some point, you know, once once we start to see some some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, investors are going to have to to think about what they do and I, I, I think that's particularly important for the uh, for the UK market and, and what happens next there obviously very depressed uh, potentially as a result of all this political mm-hmm. shenanigans we've got kind of like a sort of a, a bull and bear case uh, for Brexit in this week's magazine Chris Dillow on one side and uh, Neil Wilson a regular contributor on the other Chris is more gloomy about, about the um, sort of more global indicators <laughs> lots of horrible
1: stuff going on out there well uh, I tend to agree yeah so
0: yeah but you know Got to be if you're an investor, you've got to be optimistic. I'm be... always
1: bullish on a long enough time frame.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you again, uh, Michael, for coming in. And uh, uh, pick up the magazine and all good news agents, Brexit, trick or treat, what could come next for UK investors when it finally happens. Uh, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you. See you later.
1: Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. Bye.